Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship. We would love to hear how God has blessed your life. Reach out to us through social media or email us at scfellowshipchurch at gmail.com. Today I want to talk to you about the mindset of a kingdom steward. But I want to back up just a little bit to review what we've talked about the last couple of uh, Sundays uh, where I brought the word. We had some great guest speakers the last two weeks, so I want to kind of refresh your memory. And I just want to start with the definition, a simple definition of what a kingdom steward is. It's just simply a believer who faithfully oversees the protection and expansion of the assets. That's the time, the talents, and the treasures that God has entrusted to them to manage on God's behalf. That's what a kingdom steward is. You see, time, talents, treasures, you know, those are specific to each one of us. None of us know the time that we have here. Specific to each one of us. So what we do with that time is so important. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17 says, So then, be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That is our pursuit as kingdom stewards, is to always be seeking the will of the Lord. Every day you wake up, good morning, Holy Spirit, what do you got for me today? What's on your agenda for me today. Amen. Talents. We all have talents, and those are skills. Those are personality traits. Those are characteristics that define who we are, and we need to understand them. Some of us identify with the ways that we were raised, and we think that is a character trait or a personality trait that God put in us. It may be. It may not be. See, I grew up with some pretty good parents. I'll just be honest with you. They're phenomenal. What I forget a lot of times is that not all of you have or had the same upbringing that I did. And so the way you were taught might not have been correct. So just because you are frustrated, that's not a personality trait that God has given you. Just because you're angry with the world, that's not a personality trait that God has given you. You got to dig into the word, you got to see the, the, the personalities, the characteristics, you got to look at the fruit of the Spirit. These are the things that, that we ought to be striving for and what we ought to be seeing come out of us. And if we don't, that's when we have to submit it to the Lord through prayer, through spending time with him so that he can shape us and so that we can understand the traits, the characteristics, the personality that God put in us, not society. You know, as a teacher, I spent 15 years in the public school system. My own kids, I had three of them, went through that kindergarten graduation and one of the one of the graduation ceremonies, I really felt like the Lord just opened my eyes and he said, can you pick out the kid here that's going to jail? I said, what? I mean, because statistically, one of the kids there was going to be in jail at some point for something. But I couldn't because you know what I saw in front of me were innocent children that were loving life. It wasn't until later on that they began to get corrupted by society and their community and their surroundings. And so what God is wanting to do through us as the church is to be that light for everybody, for those children, so that, God forbid, they're in a circumstance or situation that is beyond their control, that they don't grow up thinking that's how God intended their life to be. 
We can't do that unless we understand what it means to be a kingdom steward. Because you see, one of the most precious assets of God's is people. So we're talking about managing God's assets. We're not just talking about the, the trees and the houses and the cars. We're talking about the people. In fact, I would submit that the people are at the top of God's list. So we need to understand how to interact how to talk to, how to minister, how to be those kingdom stewards managing God's assets. Because I'm going to tell you right now, as I run a tangent, you're in the job that you're in for a reason. If you're going to school, you're in that school for a reason. It doesn't matter how happy, how sad, or how miserable your flesh may be. Because as a kingdom steward, what you want to do is you want to draw near to God so he'll draw near to you and ask him, Lord, how can I be an impact to my community, to my job? Where you become that person that shows people another side. You show people the light. I'm going to tell you one of the things that my wife was very good at doing, and my mom as well in the school system. It's really easy to get frustrated as a teacher, and probably any job in the school system is a little bit easy to get frustrated with. There's just so many demands put on you, and it was not uncommon for a teacher to come and be fussing about one of our principals. And you had a choice in that matter. And maybe you had similar experiences with that principle. But you had a choice at that point in time. You could either jump on the bandwagon of complaining and fussing and tearing down that leader of the school. Or you could provide a different perspective and help somebody through a tough period and let them see the leadership in a different light. One of the questions that, that Tammy always asked was, what did they say when you told them? And the majority of the time, the person would respond, well, I haven't talked to them. Tammy said, I'm going to tell you, my interactions with them have been good. I haven't always agreed with what they've had to say. I haven't always agreed with their decisions. But they've always let me talk to them. And in certain situations, there was information they didn't realize. They didn't understand. And they changed one of their decisions because of the new information. But I had to go talk to them. But just showing somebody a different side. Boy, you want to talk about a community and an atmosphere changing? Man, it can go from miserable and dark to excited and happy despite all of the challenges that exist for a school teacher. doesn't matter what your job is. I guarantee you, you have similar situations. That person that's complaining, that person that's coming to you, God's got you there to minister to that person not to get on the bandwagon with them. And so if you're not able to minister to them, you yourself need to be ministered to. You need to draw into the Lord. You need to be spending time with God in prayer. You need to be spending time in, with God in, in, in study. You need to be spending time with the Father. How often? As often as is needed. As often as is needed. It varies. Sometimes you may come out of a prayer session totally excited, go to minister to somebody. It goes very well, but then you're drained. You're emotionally and physically drained. And so guess what you got to do? Go right back to the prayer closet. How many times? As often as needed. As often as needed. Those talents are important for you to understand who you are. See, the enemy has picked up on this. The identity series that Mark is running the kids through is so important because that is what the world loses. It loses their identity. They don't believe in themselves because they don't know who created them. 
So it is extremely important for us as kingdom stewards. You want to talk about a mindset? The mindset is, who am I in Christ? What is your identity in Christ? What did God do when he created me? Because my Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. That he knows every hair on your head. Or for some of us, it's gotten a lot less. The count is a little easier for him now. But he knows. He understands who you are. And guess what? He didn't make a mistake with you. And he is bigger than any circumstance, any challenge, any situation that you're in or grew up in. You just have to recognize those talents inside of you. You see... Christian stewardship is not seen in what you get from God, but rather what God through you can give to others. If we will change our mindset to this philosophy right here, instead of saying, Lord, what can you do for me, and change it to, Lord, what can I do for you, your entire life will shift. Your entire mindset will shift. There will be no mountain too high. There will be no obstacle in your way that can't be removed because you will understand finally your purpose in life. You will finally understand why God created you. First Peter chapter 4, starting in verse 8, says, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Let me start th- stop there for just a minute. Notice that the author did not say, did not say, above all, Keep fervent in your love for those that treat you okay. As long as somebody treats you with love and respect, it's okay to treat them with love and respect. That's not what he said. That's not what he said. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. I think I'm going to have to put that one up on my wall at home. I'd like to say I don't complain, but there are times it comes spilling out. Verse 10, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the multifaceted grace of God. Whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen, which I've told you before is the author's equivalent of mic drop. He's saying, that's this, all you need to know right there. Just, just, just read that again. So let, let's go back through this one more time. Verse 10, whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking actual words of God. I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but if you think about some of the things you may have said in the last just 24 hours, do you feel like that's the way God would have said it? Because you see, it's not enough to just say the right words. It's also important to wait for the right timing and to use the proper tone. And the only way you're going to know those three elements is if God is leading you. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. I will say that I'm grateful that I was born in America. I'm super, super pumped that I got to grow up in America. It's been an awesome place. But the one disservice that American culture has done to me and all of us is it has given us an attitude of superiority. And it has made us feel like we can do anything. Doesn't matter what anybody says, if we want to do it, we can do it. I mean, look at what the world's going through right now, just America alone. We're talking about identity crisis. 
I don't even have to tell you, but just talking about the pronouns and different things like this, things that were never intended to identify a person except through an article or reading or, you know, it's for the reader to understand what you're talking about, has now become an issue to where the government's issuing mandates that you have to use someone's proper pronouns or else you'll get in trouble. I mean, this is the confusion that's being bred. Why? Because we think we can do anything that we want to do by our own strength. But as Christians, we have to know, we have to know that anything we do in our own strength will only result in collapse, in failure, in no satisfaction, in no peace. Only when we humble ourselves and recognize that it's only through God's strength will we ever have the success, the peace, the happiness, the joy that's talked about in the scriptures. The treasures. The treasures. I was uh, watching a show not too long ago, and uh, well, I'll, do, I'll go back to, to Johnna getting engaged, and I assume you gave her a nice ring, yes? It probably cost a few dollars, didn't it? Had a nice little diamond in there. What makes that diamond so special? What makes that diamond so expensive? You know what makes it so expensive? Man. Because we said this is what it's valued at. Have you ever thought about the fact that Revelation tells us that in heaven we'll walk on streets paved with gold? We go, oh, man, that's awesome. But that's what you're walking on. You're putting your feet on the gold. See, we, we value the gold, right? We, we start thinking in terms of value in that way. That's not the treasures that God's talking about here. It's not a nice fancy house or a beautiful diamond ring or fancy shoes or purses or any of that kind of stuff. And let me go in and put the caveat in here now. I'm not saying that you can't have that stuff. What I'm trying to tell you, and I'll get to it in just a minute, is how much hold does that stuff have over you? See, that's where it gets twisted up. Because God gave treasures when my grandfather passed, actually before he passed, he, he apologized to my dad and to my uncle. <laughs> and it's a little funny to me because what he said was to something, some extent like this. I've lived a little longer than I thought I would, so I've spent almost all the money that I'd set aside for you and Uncle Brig. <laughs> he had this plan to leave assets and money and, and, and property to my dad and my uncle but God blessed him with super long life, and he needed that money to get by. And I love my dad's response. He told him he had planted more valuable treasure in him through God than any dollar could ever understand. Can I tell you that there is wisdom in that statement? There's wisdom. Let me read you another scripture that you've probably heard before. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. Amen. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The only thing I'm aware of that we can uh, store up in heaven is salvation, right? We can help be that person that God uses to lead somebody to salvation. We can be that encouragement that, that helps a person get right with God. 
When we're obedient to the Father, these are the crowns that he's talking about in Revelation that we, that we, that we earn, that we're going to get to throw at Jesus' feet. Right? He doesn't say anything about the latest car or this huge house. If I'm not mistaken, and I wasn't the best history student, but I believe in Egypt they used to bury the kings with all their treasure and all their gold because they thought they could take it with them. And then somewhere along the line, somebody got smart and realized if they broke in and robbed those tombs, they found a lot of gold. Why? Because that gold did not go with that king. What man treasured and valued as important was nothing when death came. It was nothing. What do you value? What do you treasure? I'm not telling you not to take care of the stuff God's given you. I'm telling you to look at it in terms of why do you have that? There's got to be a purpose for it. There's got to be a reason. And if there's not, then I want to I give you a little test to see whether or not maybe you need to get rid of it. Because if the stuff has you, there's no way you can be a kingdom steward over it because you'll never give it away. You'll never give away even though it's not yours. When we have this mindset of a kingdom steward, we should also have the mindset or understand that it's not our stuff. It's all God's. Everything. Nothing that's ever been created was original. In other words, it came from parts and pieces that God already made. The design may be a little different or new as far as what it looks like. But the materials needed to build or create whatever God put on your heart it's not new to him. He's the one that put the resources and the materials here. So when we start to think about the stuff in terms of being a kingdom steward, we got to think about does the stuff we have own us? So here's a few things you can ask yourself or think about. Stuff owns you when what you have matters more than what God says. You see, it may be easy to give away something small. What happens when God asks you to give away something big? It's easy to give away $5. What happens when God asks you to give away 100 or 1000 It's easy to let somebody borrow your car, but what happens when God asks you to give that car away? When what you have matters more than what God says. You know how you can tell whether or not it has more value to you than God if somebody were to break into your house or your your dwelling and steal everything you had would it totally tear you down or could you move on if you can't move on the stuff has you because I've seen this church alone take care of people that have fallen on tough times time and time and time again when that person that individual didn't know where they were going to get their next meal or needed clothes or needed shelter. And I've seen this church step up. We're not the only church that does that. Why? Because God provides a way when we trust him. God provides a way when we trust him. The stuff owns you when what you have gets more attention than God in your life. I got to be honest with you. I think one of the best inventions is red zone. If you don't know what red zone is, man, that's... that's uh, the pro football games on Sunday afternoon, and they just keep showing them and showing them, showing them no commercials. It is fantastic. And if you get you a second TV in your living room, then you can have the Falcons game going nonstop over here, and you can have red zone going on right here. It is beautiful. It's awesome. 
What happens when God calls me or you to pray during that time? Or to go back to church or do something else? It's not comfortable sometimes for me. I'm just speaking about me. I know y'all don't struggle with these things. But I have to begin to think that these things are getting more attention than God in my life because it becomes more important. I'm not willing to do away with it. I'm not willing to do without it for even a minute or a Sunday afternoon. That's a problem. I've watched Red Zone many of Sundays, and there's been no issue. God hadn't fussed at me. God didn't have anything else for me to do that time. We spent, Tam and I spent great quality time together. But it's that time when he tells you to do something else during that or to give something away. All right, I've said that enough. Let me move on. Stuff owns you when your decisions are based on the stuff and not God's desires for your life. I'll tell you one area that I am guilty of this in. It's I do things and then I ask God to bless it. Do you do that? You go make a purchase or apply for a job or make a decision, and then, then as you're doing that, then you go, Lord, would you please bless me? Lord, I want this job. Will you please give me this job? Instead of, Lord, is this the job for me? Our church is looking for a building or land, and we've had several opportunities in the last few months, and our prayer has been each time, Lord, if this is not what you have for us, then close the door. And he's closed the door. But there'll be a door that he opens. And when he opens that door, we'll know that it's the right door and we will get truly blessed from it because we're doing it God's way. So I just want to encourage you to take inventory of your stuff. And if it has you, I want you to consider getting rid of it. The Bible talks about it's better to lose an eye, to pluck it out, than it is to, to go to hell. Right? It says, if your right eye caused you to sin, it's better to lose it than to spend eternity in, I forget the place because it don't matter. It's hell, damnation. I can't remember which one it says there. But the point is that it would be better to lose that eye. Right? If you're looking at stuff, if you got something in your life that's causing you not to follow the Lord, it would be better to get rid of it then it would be to keep going down that path and allowing it to pull you away from God. That's what it means to be a kingdom steward. I've started a new policy at the house trying to live this lifestyle. And I'll have times where people will come and they will, they will bless me with money. And they will say, the Lord told me to give you this. And I used to be super excited and spend it pretty much immediately. And then the Lord kind of convicted me as I'm going through this study that I was treating it as my own money. Instead of saying, okay, Lord, you give me this money, what do you want me to do with this? As I began to change my prayer life, there are times the Lord allows me to use that money on things that I, I desire. But then there are other times he asked me to give it away. And it's been several different levels of domination. I mean, he asked me to give 5 or $10 away here and there. One time recently, he asked me to give $200 away. Now, for you, maybe that's not a lot of money. And praise God, I'm happy for it. That's excellent. But for me, that was a stretch. That was a stretch. I was used to giving, you know, $20 here and there. But jump up to $200, man, that, that was a lot. But I want you to know, it wasn't as hard as it used to be. Because I've seen how God has blessed me and my family. I was telling somebody this the other day, and I've told it many times from the pulpit, so you might have heard it, so I'll give you the short version. But I was an educator and while educators definitely don't get paid what they're worth, you don't go into education for that, I still made pretty good money. 
And I think I'd worked up to about $50,000 a year. I mean, that was really good money. When God called me back into the ministry, all that went away. There was no, no pay available. There was no job. But you know, we never missed a bill, never missed a meal. We missed anything. I, I don't understand that math. It makes no sense to me because before giving up that job, I was struggling to make ends meet. It's just the truth. But I made a decision to trust the Lord, and it, it's paid off tremendously. That's what I'm telling you. If you will trust the Lord, no matter how crazy it may seem in your life, it, it will pay off. He will bless you because you know what? He loves you. He loves you. But sometimes we go through things because we're struggling to trust God. All this has to do with the mindset of becoming a kingdom steward. We have to begin to change our questions, our thoughts, our prayers. It's got to move away from what we want to do per se, and it's got to become more about what God wants to do through us. Again, I told you the story that Tony Evans relayed in his book that as a house sitter, he got to enjoy the benefits of the house that he was staying in. He got to drive the cars. He got to sleep in the beds. He got to swim in the pools. He got to eat the nice food. He got to enjoy all the benefits. But when the owners of the house came back, he had to leave, and he couldn't take anything with him. You know, the owner of our house is coming back one day. He's coming back one day. You know why? It's his stuff. You know what he wants most of all? Me and you. He's coming back for me and you. That's his most valued treasure. He's coming back for us. See, our worldview has got to shift. I don't know about you, but growing up, I, I realized, well, excuse me, I realized later in life that my worldview was quite small. Just take the way I grew up, for example. It was honestly and sincerely freshman year of college before I realized everybody didn't grow up with their mom and dad, their biological mom and dad. I thought everybody lived with their mom and dad. Matter of fact, I found out that I was in the minority, that the majority of everybody I went to school with had two families. They had a, a mom and dad that had divorced and they remarried. And, and, and so that was an eye-opener to me. My worldview changed. I didn't understand that. I don't want to go too political, but I think it's an important issue and I want to bring up one thing. I used to think about immigration one way based on the way people were telling me but when I got into prayer and I started asking the Lord, I began to realize we're talking about human beings. I'm not advocating for policies here or there. What I'm advocating for is for us to remember that we're dealing with human beings. One story I can give you that really bothered me was in California, there were some teachers that during their break, during their spring break, I think it was, took time out to go to the border to teach the children. And there were people that were up in arms complaining about that. That makes no sense to me. That's not thinking about people. That's not loving people. Doesn't matter what policies you're talking about. We're talking about God's children. That's how our mindset has to shift. We've got to quit seeing it the way the world sees it, and we've got to start seeing it the way God sees it. That's the way our worldview has got to be. Living life as a kingdom steward is not merely a task. It is a worldview. How many of you wear glasses, prescription glasses? I have some reading glasses here that help me out. Do you know why I wear these reading glasses? I don't wear them up here because... Let me try this with the mic in my face here. I apologize. I don't wear these up here a lot of times because I blow the font up big enough to where I can see it. Somebody pulled out a Bible. I think it might have been um, 
Miss uh, Miss Sandy, I don't know where she's at. Uh, anyway, she's got a Bible that I, I'm not convinced there are words on that page. They are so small. That, that's the tiniest print I have ever seen in my life. But, you know, I put some reading glasses on, and that begins to come into focus. Prescription glasses do the same thing, only better. And you see, those prescription glasses are made specific for the individual wearing them. You ever put on somebody else's prescription glasses? Unless they have the exact same prescription as you, it does not work out well, does it? I mean, it'll give you a headache. Because those glasses were made for that person. It brings focus, clarity. It brings a better vision. Well, guess what? We have somebody that does that for us as kingdom stewards. That brings that better focus. That's the Holy Spirit. Because you see, sin damages our eyes. Sin messes with us. The world can mess with us. It can cause us not to see the world the way God sees it. In fact, I don't know if you've talked to many people, but there are a lot of people with some good arguments that don't line up with the Bible at all. They don't line up with the Bible at all. But they can talk a good game and they can make a lot of sense. And so if you're not rooted and grounded with the Lord, you can begin to see things the way that they see things rather than the way God sees things. And the only way that you're going to see things the way God sees them is through prayer and reading, but allowing the Holy Spirit to be your prescription glasses, to allow the Holy Spirit to be those uh, lenses for you. You know, you can get a friend or a cane or a service animal if you're losing your sight or if you're blind, and they can help you around, but what they cannot do is give you sight. And you see, a lot of what we're doing is we are using a friend, a cane, or a service animal to get us around this world. But we don't have sight. We don't have spiritual sight. Worldly wisdom is like that friend, like that cane, like that service animal. The Holy Spirit, though, is our prescription glasses. He's the one that's specific to us. He brings focus, clarity, better vision for our world. You think about this. Each one of us has a little bit different situation that we're in. We have some overlap in our communities, but we each have our own community where we live, where we work, where we go to the store, where we play, where we minister. So the prescription that I need for my community may not be the same that you need for your community. But you're only going to know what God sees in your community by getting with him, by submitting yourself to him, by allowing the Holy Spirit to change your mindset. Otherwise, you end up in poor stewardship. You know what poor stewardship is? It's attempting to usurp God's ownership. That's poor stewardship. Usurp means to overtake. And guess what? You can do that intentionally, or what we do most of all is intentionally. So how do you know if you're trying to usurp God's ownership? Well, I'm going to tell you, if you're living for yourself instead of for God, you are usurping or attempting to usurp God's authority. When you're constantly making decisions and then asking God to bless whatever you're doing, you're trying to usurp God's authority. When it's all about you and your comfort level and what you desire, you are usurping God's authority. The Bible's very clear about who should be first. 
Matthew 6, 33, just the first part of that tells us right off the bat. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What did, what did he tell us in Matthew 22, verse 37 and 38? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. God's looking for us to love him first. And not to try to figure out where he's going with things. Anybody in here ever been a project manager? Okay, anybody work for a project manager? So the basic idea behind a project manager is they're in charge of the entire project. The people that are working for the project manager carry out different parts and different jobs of that project. Think about this building. Not, the same person didn't do everything in this building. But they had to trust the project manager because the project manager knew the entire project. See, God knows the entire project. He's just asking us to do our part and not try to be God. Amen. He's not in need of our services to be the project manager. He's got that under control. Helps if our mindset understands whose we are. Let's look at a few scriptures here. Psalm 50, 10 and 11 tells us, For every animal of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know every bird of the mountain, and everything that moves in the field is mine. You ever seen a huge flock of birds just move at the same time? Some of you that hunt, I've, I've been told, I've seen movies, I don't know, that you can do something, all these doves and stuff come flying out of the bushes. There's just a bunch of them, right? That's just one little small section, yet God said he knows every bird in the mountains, every one of them. I couldn't have counted all the ones that flew out of the bush that first time. But he knows them all. Why? Because they're his. They're not yours. They're not mine. They're his. He also told us he gave us dominion over them, though. Right? So God has given us charge but they're not ours. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship. Whose workmanship? His workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his. We're his. We're his. Romans kind of brings it all around here in chapter 11. Verse 33 through 36, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it would be paid back to him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Mic drop. I mean, amen. That tells you everything. You need to know. I know it's getting a little warm in here. I'm not quite done. Can you, can you give me just a couple more minutes to finish this up? If you will, I promise I'll get through this. Because I think it's important to understand what I said earlier. There is a time of accounting coming. You know, I, all I know to do is use examples from my own life. Now, I want to tell you something. This jacket was first given to me three years ago. Almost three years ago. In January, it'll be three years. And I could not put this jacket on. It did not fit. They had to just drape it over me. I was a big boy. I'm still a big boy. But there's progress that's been made. And now the jacket at least fits for the most part. If I suck it in a little bit, I can button it. You see, what happened was I kept eating. 
and enjoying. And guess what? I could still move as a big boy. I was pretty flexible. I still could play sports. I did a lot of good stuff and enjoyed myself. But a time of accounting came. And because I kept eating and I kept putting on weight, I got myself in a situation now where I have to take certain pills right this minute to help me out. I've been diagnosed by the doctors, and I say it that way for a reason, with having type 2 diabetes. Okay? Now, I, I thoroughly believe God is going to heal me, but he has given me some instructions. And until I do what he has told me to do, you can guarantee I'm not getting healing from that because that's what he said. But the reason that I developed type 2 diabetes is because of my eating habits. But now there's a time of accounting, and guess what? I put some lights up on my house the other day. I had to take a lot of breaks, and I thought I was going to die. It was a lot of work, y'all. Why? Because I've got myself into some bad shape. Now, I told you about the jacket because I've understood that, and I'm working on that. I've submitted to the Lord. I'm making better decisions. I'm becoming a better kingdom steward with the body he gave me. Okay? You guys have actions. You guys have choices that you make as well. And there's a time of accounting. This is a time of accounting in the flesh. There's a time of accounting coming in the spirit. I talked about the parable of the ten talents. You can find that in Matthew 25. One was given five, one given two, one given one. The one with five and two both doubled the, the talents. And God was well pleased with both of them. It wasn't about the amount. It was about what they did. The one with one talent did nothing with it, buried it. And, and, and the, the Lord, the master, was not happy with him at all. Even though he didn't lose any money. Because he didn't use the talent God gave him. That's what God's telling us. He's given us talents. So which servant are you most like today? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. There is a time of accounting coming. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Let me say that again. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid. That's Christ Jesus. When you got saved, the foundation was laid. Verse 12, Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw... Each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Now listen carefully here to these next two scriptures. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. You want to talk about the treasures that God's talking about? That's what he's talking about right here. The treasures that will last in heaven. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved Yet so as through fire. I want to take one quick tangent to tell you that I, I use that verse quite often to talk about how salvation is not something that can be lost, right? Salvation actually is just the foundation. We stop at salvation. No, we got to move on to discipleship. And discipleship is where we build on that foundation. And anything we build on that foundation that's of God is going to last the test of time. And anything we build on that foundation that is of us and not of God is going to get burned up and it's going to be a loss. Talking about stewardship. How are you building? What materials are you using? Are you understanding that you are God's? Are you understanding that everything you see, touch, smell here is God's? Let me close with this right here. 
What you do with the time, talents, and treasures God has given you is up to you. The choices you make, the decisions on how you spend your days, the focus of your mind, that is all up to you. But how God blesses you, utilizes you, trusts you, is also based on those decisions that you make. If you stand to your feet, I'll give you one more verse here. A day of accounting is coming where we will have to answer for our choices, whether good or bad, people. In order to make the right choices, we must become kingdom-minded. We must become kingdom stewards. Our worldview must change, and we must allow the Holy Spirit to become our spiritual glasses so that we see our community and our surroundings the way God sees them. I want to leave you with this scripture today. Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. If then you were raised with Christ... Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. I want to submit one more thing to you. If you're struggling with the stuff and the material things of this world, check your friends and family, and, and, and is it because of what they're saying? If it is, the decisions you're making are to please them. Stop doing that. Please God with your decisions, and I promise you, he will take care of you. Amen? Amen. Did you get anything out of this this morning, I hope? Well, do me a favor. Let God, amen. You can give God praise. Go back. Read over the scriptures. Don't just take my word for it. If you find something you feel like I misspoke on, come let me know. But I want you to share the messages with other people. I want you to apply them to your lives, and I want you to share them with others. Amen? How about bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Father, we thank you for such an awesome day to come together, to worship you, to love on each other, to fellowship with our brothers and sisters. Father, we ask today that you would just continue to guide us, to direct us. Lord, would you change our mindset? Would you change our worldview so that we might see our community the way you see our community, Father, with the compassion and the love, Father God? Father, would you just give us the ability to carry out your mission so that we can see your kingdom come and your will to be done, Father. But we ask all these things in your name. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.